open up your books, you bad apples. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bad Apple Book Club. Lucas Nord here. And I'm Cole Lang. And Cole, buddy, how is it going today? Can't complain. Um, I'm glad to hear it. Well, I can complain, actually. Uh, cool. <laughs> you can't just go lie into the listeners like that. If they think that you can't complain and you can, what else could you be hiding the truth from on the show? You know, I like to think that in any facet I'm fine with sharing with anyone that would want to listen to this, I would give it nothing but my pure honesty. Of course, though. I'm a pillar of the community compared to you, so I mean, you know, I guess, I guess that just kind of goes without saying, you know. <laughs> uh, Go ahead and complain. Please. I guess I'm. Uh, yeah, I, I just gotta get this off the off my chest. I want to know who my new boss is. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> and that's it. You want to know who your new boss is? Yep. And I assume that we're talking about the big boss. The biggest of the bosses, yep. But see, isn't he technically not... Are you not under his umbrella right now? Yeah, but it could be old, old Joe here soon. Are you a U.S. citizen living in Germany? Is that how that works? Yes, I am not a German wow. citizen. Interesting. <laughs> could you do that if you wanted to? Yes, but I would have to learn the language, which is really hard. What? You have to, like, take a test? Um, oh, yeah. Same thing with uh, wow. American citizenship, I'm pretty sure. Maybe. But you need to learn the language? I feel like the best way to learn it is to just move there and ingratiate yourself into their culture. I feel like you'd learn it. You'd, you'd pick it up in three days. Not not the case with German. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, or not at all. I mean, you wouldn't yeah. pick it up at all. Is what I meant to say. Yeah, every every European is like they all agree that, well, seem to agree that German is one of the hardest languages. So, very interesting. I don't know about you, Cole, but I'm pretty excited today because, as readers of the titles know, we are starting an entirely new series. After finishing The Blood-Drenched, Sex-Filled World of the Hellbound Heart by Clive Barker, one of my favorite books, one of my favorite movies, we are starting something completely new, and not only are we starting something completely new, but as far as I can tell, the main character in this new series uh, is not a completely awful person, like every one of our last books. I mean, um, he, he's not got awful some in flaws. the same way. No, yeah, I agree. He's got some flaws, our main character here. Um, but overall, um, you know, some people pick up this book. They don't like the main character. But I, I think he's a lot more tolerable than most of our characters that we've read. Just, just a little flawed and a little troubled. I think the interesting thing about this book we're covering here for this series is, on top of literally knowing nothing about it, about the story. I didn't know anything other than the narrator's name. The only thing that I was aware of is a lot of people are like, the main character is just a big brat and all he does is bellyache the whole time. But of course, there's more to it than that. Oh, much more. And the only thing I knew about this book, uh, this was my first time reading it. Lots to break down here, but yes. most people know it for the 
Mark David Chapman assassination fiasco shall we call it <laughs> assassination fiasco a little slip up yep. you know yeah what, whatever you want to call it uh um, and yes the assassin the assassination of john lennon and the attempted assassination of ronald reagan and i we aren't even wow. gonna touch up on that because if you want to listen to more of that stuff just listen to a true crime podcast Right. Uh, I think it takes away from the story if we if we go into that. So uh, um I agree with that. Um now should we finally just pull the um should we finally pull the curtain away and reveal the title? We haven't said the guy's name. We haven't said the title of the book. Um <laughs> they'll be able to read it in the title of the episode like I said up top. But Cole, would you please like to announce what we're finally delving into after Initially, I, I think I picked the book up probably right after the Hellbound Heart, like a month and a half ago, probably. Oh, wow. Uh, yes, so we are diving into The Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger. The one and only. The one and only, the recluse himself. Yep. Ooh, already learning things, and we aren't even ten minutes into the episode. That's all I got um, for his biography. was there anything that you wanted to say about maybe the series before we get to it or did you have any general thoughts you wanted to get to before we really dove in here i'm just ready to go all in my man all righty i'm glad to hear it well without further ado if you'd like to introduce us to jd salinger author of catcher in the rye of course So, Jerome David Salinger was born in Manhattan on January 1st, 1919. New Year's, baby! Uh, Very nice. And this was the year that World War I ended, I believe. So, end of an era. Good year! Yeah, but they got another one coming up here, so... Ooh, uh, don't tell them that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, so his father was a Jewish man and he ran a kosher cheese and meat store. Yum, yum, yum. Mm. And uh, his mother was from Iowa. She was of uh, German descent and a few other European countries as well, but mostly German. Her name was Marie, but she changed it to Miriam to get cozy with her Jewish in-laws being J.D.'s parents. So, yeah, this was uh, during a time that mixed marriages, kind of controversial with racial, um, religious mixing, and uh, it it was, like, so crazy because Salinger, (laughs) he didn't know she was of Jewish descent until... Or she wasn't of Jewish descent until his bar mitzvah. Oh, <laughs> so, that'll happen. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Mom, what is happening here? <laughs> this is the worst bar mitzvah ever. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, so growing up, Salinger, he didn't fit in so well. Uh, he started to call himself Jerry uh, to curb that. However, his family just called him Sonny. So, yeah, like, this will be brought up in the book, but there are some similarities with 
the main character and Catcher in the Rye, Holden, and J.D. Salinger. If I may say real quick, the one that I thought of immediately, the first sentence into this thing is, born in Manhattan. And one of the things we'll get to know is that Holden Caulfield was himself born and raised in New York. Um, Probably Manhattan specifically, can't really remember right now, but you know, like I said, um, we've seen with a lot of authors before that, whether it be Ken Kesey working in the mental asylum or whatever you would call it, you know, back in the 60s or 50s or whenever that was, and bringing it into his book, or something we didn't discuss in the Hellbound Heart episode, this will probably be the last little tidbit about it, Clive Barker is a gay man. And a lot of um, the Cenobites' inspiration came from going to leather gay bars in the 80s. And that inspired the Cenobites. We're always seeing these uh, authors pulling tidbits of their personal lives into the stories and maybe, you know, like I said, putting them into the environment or the characters or just everything. Just putting it right on the paper, you know? Yep. Yeah. It's incredible. Personality is really bleeding through here. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, but yeah, totally agree. Uh, we'll see this now. He doesn't claim it to be like a complete autobiography case, but lots of Holden's personality do come from the author himself. Wow. So he went to a private school and he managed the fencing team, which is also something that Holden did. Uh, yeah did do that yep uh, <laughs> at old pensy <laughs> yep <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that it's pretty yeah, funny yeah, we will we will, we will. Uh, and he was the writer for the school's newspaper um and he just so happened to flunk out of school and he had aspirations for drama and his dad was like screw that you're going to the military academy. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> We're not having any of that artsy-fartsy stuff in this household. You're going to march up two, three, four. Yeah, uh, there's no room for it. No. And at, at the academy, he was the editor for the class yearbook and participated, participated in many other clubs. If I may say, too. Editing the class yearbook is really what will put hair on your chest at the military academy. (laughs) That's where he got his first uh, mustache hair. Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. no, I'm telling you, man, when I was in high school and uh, I was editing the yearbook, that's when I first said, this is where men are made, right here in this classroom. Yes, It's what separates the boys from the men, as they say. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed doing that um, yes, yearbook. That was, that was a good time. That was fun. I, I made yes. some really cool pages, in my opinion. Um, I'm sure they were cool. Whatever cool pages are in the class of 2015 yearbook, I might have had a little so something to do with, uh, uh, you know, uh, just a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> but um, so during this time... He also wrote many stories under his bed covers at night with the aid of a flashlight. So very passionate about writing stories. He graduated from the academy with, you know, an average GPA, nothing to be boasting about. And Mm. he attended NYU after this, where he dropped out. He dropped out of New York University. Yeah, he's just not feeling it. Um, Right. And so his father was like, um, hey, buddy, 
we're going to send you overseas. We're going to have you uh, get cultured up. But really, I just want you to learn about the meat business, the kosher meat business that I love. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So he went to Vienna, Austria. And this was, you know, Vienna, that was the next place I wanted to go to. But, you know, staying safe, laying low because Good COVID call. is on the rise. But yeah. That'll happen. <laughs> Once he got there, he was so disgusted by the meat industry that he decided to become a vegetarian uh, for the rest of his life, I believe. And wow. Well, hey, you know what they say. Uh, you don't want to see how the sausage is made. No, and the meat industry is just, well, you know, Upton Sinclair wrote about it in the jungle. And, of course. you know, just kind of, it's like a horror novel from what I've heard. I want to read it. But yeah, like it's just still to this day one of the most horror, horror-esque <laughs> uh, businesses yeah. you can be in. Um, oh, I believe it. Yes, but he was just more like fascinated by the culture and learning the lang the language there than he was uh, passionate about the meat business, which is totally understandable. Then packing sausage skins. Yep. <laughs> before <laughs> before you knew, uh, washing your hands saved lives, probably. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so he. Was there chilling in Austria? He was working the meat market or the meat factory. And he left Austria a month before it was annexed by Nazi Germany. So, very lucky. Wow. Wow. Yep. Because he is of Jewish descent. Yes. And Nazis are just terrible. <laughs> so, yep. <laughs> Well, I mean, Cole, do you want to go getting so controversial on the show? <laughs> <laughs> I like to keep this thing impartial. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean to be. Uh, I want to be apolitical here, but the Nazi right, party, right, right. <laughs> not a fan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so after this, uh, after his escape, he went back to college at, in the States, and he dropped out after one semester. So we're starting to see a trend here. That will bleed through heavily in the book. And <laughs> so... Maybe. <laughs> just maybe. Yep. Uh, yep. So he started to uh, attend writing classes at Columbia University, but he really didn't put forth like any effort until the end of his first year, according to his professor. And um, one of the most famous stories he wrote during this time when he actually, like, put himself out there was the young folks hmm. which was about aimless youth once again youth without aim yeah once again <laughs> uh we may or may not see that in this book hmm. you know what honestly um those listening and hey thanks if you're listening those listening that haven't read the book they're like okay yeah this guy definitely had a bit of a life story you know he was always doing stuff but holy crap man uh, this is already a blueprint right here. It's it's already... I, I'm not stopping there. Um, right. Oh, of course. <laughs> I just... I had to get that in because it's all I've thought about, like I said, since the first sentence. This whole thing is just... Well, we'll get into it. No, like, it's it's actually very important to do his backstory because... I, I mean, the catcher in the rye is just his baby. 
he eventually started submitting stories to the New Yorker, which is still pretty popular today. And he started to write about the novel's main character being Holden Caulfield in this story called Slight Rebellion Off Madison. And it starred uh, a rebellious teenager who just so happens to be our, our main star in this story. Cool, uh, cool title. Slight Rebellion Off Madison. Yeah, yeah, for real. Um, I also love the title Catcher in the Rye, though. Yeah, he's got a way with words and titles, I tell you. He do. Yeah. So this story was actually not published due to the attacks on Pearl Harbor, and this made Salinger very upset, saying, quote, I think I'll hate 1942 until I die. End quote. Um, that was the worst thing that ever happened that year was the stories <laughs> not getting published. Yeah. <laughs> worst day ever. <laughs> yeah, Pearl Harbor just really took up the news space, the media right? attention. <laughs> but just that quote I thought was really important because once again, we'll see that super exaggerated um writing style and speech yep. in here and to make things even worse he was drafted that spring into the army Ooh. yep so we'll see how that goes but we will yeah actually it's not gonna go well because so there's many famous writers at this time that experienced world war ii being vonnegut who who wrote Slaughterhouse Five, which is really good. I'd love to do that one someday. Um, cool. And Joseph Heller, who wrote Catch Twenty Two. But out of all the other writers, Salinger definitely saw the most like conflict and war, and horrors. So he was on Utah Beach on D Day. He was in the thick of Battle of the Bulge. And many other campaigns. Um, but somehow, he eventually met up with Ernest Hemingway in Paris uh, when he was making his way from Normandy to Germany. Hemingway, he really praised his writing style, and Salinger told him about this character he was working on, and Salinger himself hoped to play this character in a play one day. And this is obviously going to be Holden. <laughs> but yeah. that's another thing, is that Catcher in the Rye, not, there's no films about it. It's because Salinger was very protective of it. He only awesome. wanted to be the main star if it was ever turned into a Broadway production. Of course. Um, the beginning of a series where, once again, a lot of people haven't read the book... The beginning of the series is the perfect time to delve into the character in a nice, deep way. So I just got to ask, Cole, uh, Catcher in the Rye, 2021, the movie coming out, who is playing Holden Caulfield? Wait, they're actually making the movie? No, 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 no. Hypothetically. Let's just say that somehow they got the rights from J.D. Salinger's Bones. Oh, um, I would say JD himself would crawl right out of the grave and be like, I'm Perfect. holding Caulfield, I'm holding Caulfield. Yeah, okay. That's very fair, all right? Yeah. 
Yeah, if any, I'm I'm sure if they even start production on that, the the ghost of J.D. Salinger, yes, he's going to pass <laughs> away eventually. I'll get into it, uh, but oh man, <laughs> yeah, uh, but well, there goes the whole thing. Yeah, his his very his very ghost is going to like haunt the set and just make production <laughs> impossible. <laughs> That'd be appropriate. Yeah. He's still in Germany. And he was eventually assigned to a counterintelligence group called the Ritchie Boys. And this was <laughs> this was a group of mostly German and French immigrants that came to the U.S. because of the horrors of World War II. A lot of Jewish wow. men, too, uh, joined. And Salinger, he could speak both languages, which helped with interrogation sessions. In- Incredible. Yeah, so he was, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's like Inglorious Bastards where he's the bear Jew, but the fact that he One got to interrogate. Yeah, yeah, great movie. But the fact that he got to interrogate Nazis as a Jewish man, that's really cool. I bet it was a little intense. Yeah, yeah. It, just really, really awesome, though. Lieutenant Aldo Rain. <laughs> Uh, Hmm. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know what? Can we actually just talk about Inglorious Bastards? Would you mind? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to blow the you steam here. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, we should probably actually get back to the. Thing we'll we're save about. it for the post discussion here. <laughs> uh, J.D. Salinger eventually witnessed the liberation of a concentration camp. And just from this, he was hospitalized for weeks because he had combat stress reaction, uh, which is basically a precursor to PTSD. So he saw all the horrors of like the gas chambers, Jews being starved, everything, just complete horror. And after this, he started writing a short horse or sh- a short story called "I'm Crazy," uh, which would be used heavily in *The Catcher in the Rye*. And he continued to write as he volunteered to be part of uh, denazification of Germany, which is just like we're we're done with this shit. That's where you saw the Nuremberg trials, where they put Nazis on trial. So he was all a part of that. But, yeah, with the liberation of the uh, concentration camp, I remember he was, like, talking to his daughter, and he said, you can never get the smell of burnt flesh out of your uh, nose. So this really messed him up. And uh, Understandably. Yeah, like, Catcher in the Rye is all about youth, and you can see that... J.D. Salinger went from this writer, and he was plummeted into the horrors of World War II. He had to grow up, and, like, it was just horrifying for him. And he just wanted to, like, hold on to his youth. And we're going to see that a lot with the story. Already excited for this discussion episode. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. This is going to be probably (laughs) the heaviest book we're going to have to, like, dissect. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yep. But once he returned to the U.S., he experimented with Buddhism, uh, and he continued to publish stories. He eventually published Catcher in the Rye, 
And Salinger admits that it is somewhat biographical, like like we were saying. Somewhat. Yep. It, it bleeds through just <laughs> a little much, bit. By the sounds of it, pretty much sounds like he uh, pretty much just changed his name and wrote his life story. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Catch her in the rye. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He X's out the autobiography of J.D. Salinger, and he's like, ah, catch yep. her in the rye will do. Crosses that out and then scribbles out every um, JD. Just <laughs> yeah, like Jerry, Jerry, uh, get that out of here, get that out of here. Yep. Uh, <laughs> no more Jerry. So uh, this launched him into the spotlight, and I, I mentioned it earlier. He was uh, recluse before this, but once he got into the spotlight, he became even more isolated. And, you know, everyone wanted to know about him. Sure. Uh, very mysterious. Not much is really known because, uh, you know, he just went into hiding. However, he had multiple relationships with younger women, like very younger women. Um, yeah. But his last wife was 40 years younger than himself. Oh, man. I think she was like 20 and he was like 60 or like 30 and he was like 70 somewhere in that age range these i mean it was just back in the days when it was completely normal for a 35 year old to date a 15 year old and get married like a year later (laughs) yeah uh but i want to say i'll give jd credit he all of his partners were 18 or above i believe oh Yes, of course. That's not what I'm getting at. That is just, that is a bit of an age gap. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, he, he was a modern day Leonardo DiCaprio, you could say. <laughs> I had 10 kids by the time you were born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he's just like Leo where he's uh, checking all these models' birthdays to make sure that they're 18 and then he starts dating them. Wow. Uh, which is, you know... Uh, okay, Leo, we get it. You like younger women. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he has two kids, and one of them being his daughter, and she's the one that kind of wrote about, like, growing up with him and kind of put a spotlight on him. And then the other one, you might recognize him, but uh, I can't remember his first name, but he starred in the 1990s film of Captain America, Steve Rogers. Oh, <laughs> oh Chris Hemsworth, man. Those <laughs> Avengers movies are my favorite. I thought I thought the first one came out in 2012, but yeah, I think you just got a little typo in here. Um, like I said, though, love those movies. Yep, uh, th- this <laughs> is know. the start of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not actually sure that I know what this um, 1990s Captain America's name it, ever was. Okay, but it is. There's probably a reason the MCU did not kick off back then. No, no, mm-hmm. it is considered one of the worst Marvel film entries ever. <laughs> I've actually heard that it's not so bad. I do want to watch it. Me. It depends on who you ask. Yeah, it's all about perspective. Um, And like I was saying, he was extremely protective of his works and never allowed a film adaptation. So he continued to live as a recluse until his death in 2011, which is really recent. Um, 
Just got a little bit of an information update here just because he got me thinking. The star of the 1990 Captain America, Matt Salinger. Matt. Wow. Matty boy. Yep. Matty boy Salinger. <laughs> yep. So, the legacy. All right, PJD. Yeah. Yep. But with that, that that's all I got is for, for his biography. So I cannot believe. Well, see, of course, I've been reading the book, but... I, um, unless I'm very interested in the author outside of doing this, I won't usually dig into their personal story so much, but I have wondered since I picked the book up, I'm thinking, I've heard so much about this book. It's literally whatever on all the top hundred books you gotta read before you die lists or whatever, maybe top 10. But I have wondered ever since why I have never heard of a movie for it. And so it's really interesting to actually know that. He didn't get uh, conned like a lot of other people, maybe like, you know, I can't think of any specific authors, but before they really hit it big, they sell their movie rights for a fraction of what they would be worth, you know, months later or whatever, after their first big story finally kicked off. But he just clung on to the rights for this thing with a death grip and he never let it go. And I got to say, I love it. He's very passionate about this book. And, you know, there's a reason why it's one of the in the top 10 lists of books of all time, you know, it, it, yes. it is very great. Absolutely. Without further ado though, I suppose we should finally get a little bit of a, uh, introduction to our boy Holden Caulfield. Of course, of course. So our boy, the biggest crybaby on earth, as I like to call uh, him. Oh, come on, Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what? That was inappropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's that's how some people view it. But, you know, it's, it's much more than that. The book is set in post-World War II, and our narrator is Holden Caulfield. He has a cynical view on life, and his, and his narrative jumps all over the place. We'll see that multiple times. It's very hard to condense this. Um, and he is writing about an event that led him to a mental hospital around last Christmas. So everything is kind of be, everything's like that's happening is written in the past. And he's telling it from his hospital bed. And... Then he mentions his brother, DB, who has been visiting him every weekend at the hospital. And he is a writer who has recently gone to Hollywood. And he's making a pretty decent living. But before this, he was writing books. And so Holden isn't a fan of this. And he says, quote, now he's out in Hollywood, DB, being a prostitute. If there's one thing I hate, it's the movies. Yep, he thinks it's very phony, and he just straight up doesn't like the movies. But he then starts off the story by talking about him leaving his school, Pensy Prep. And it is a school that advertises... Old Pensy. He'll come. He'll use old for almost anything. <laughs> he'll use old for almost anything, and he he has literally everyone that even people he's never met. He's got them all pegged right from the start. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Guys with hats are always doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Pensy, he is not a fan. Uh, he claims no. that you know it's advertised heavily with images of horse racing and molding boys into men but 
Holden does not see it that way. He just sees it as phony, uh, which he'll use multiple oh times. My God. <laughs> Probably a tenth of the book is just that word. Phony, bastard, yep. old. <laughs> Yeah, that that's one thing. His language, right from the start, you know that this guy is cynical, and yep. you're in for a hell of a ride. <laughs> yes, you are. Yep. Um, and so he is observing the school's football team play their rival on top of a hill all alone, and he has no interest whatsoever in the game. Saying, "Quote: You were supposed to commit suicide if old Pensy didn't win." End quote. He has this very exaggerated uh, narration style. But, I mean, seeing a comment like this, you know, uh, you could see it today. Like, people saying, like, oh, if this would happen, I'd kill myself. But, right. you know, but at that time, it was very controversial to say something like this. He is all alone on top of the hill because... Well, he's been ostracized by the community because um, uh, mm-hmm. the fencing team is very angry at him, and he was the equipment manager, just like J.D. Salinger himself. And wow. uh, so, yeah, they were on a way on their way to a meet, and you know, Holden he just forgot all the equipment on the subway. So, Uh-oh. yep, been there, done that. Yep, they didn't. The team was not able to compete, and so they just went back home. Uh, <laughs> yep, all thanks to Holden, and so like the, everyone knows him at this point. He already, on top of that, he already does have a bit of a reputation in general. Oh yeah, yep, he does. <laughs> yep, and so we also learned that he's been kicked out. He is failing out of most of his classes except for English. Uh, but that's just because the English class that he took in his previous school covered basically all the same stories that they're covering now. Uh, but he he seems to be a good writer, but, you know, he just doesn't apply himself like JD. Interesting. <laughs> you know, he, he is struggling to say goodbye because he does have fond memories like snowball fights and like all this other stuff. But he eventually does Aww. decide to say goodbye to quote old spencer uh <laughs> a history teacher of his we, we will see that while he uses the word old to describe everything we're about to see that he means it a little more literally for old spencer then yeah spencer the the old spenny he's pretty old <laughs> in this one yep yep uh so yeah he runs down the hill and by the time he gets there he's out of breath uh once he's at the house he's out of breath because he is a heavy smoker and interesting little detail inside the book i would say he's always he's always killing time by just hanging out and puffing down a couple cigarettes you know sat down for a half hour and smoked five cigarettes and then i got up and went over to the corner and <laughs> smoked a cigarette and then i smoked a whole pack I, mean, I don't know i guess yeah, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Gotta have fun. Well, Smoking in the Boys' Room just came out, and uh, Holden really loved it. He really took the meaning to heart. <laughs> <laughs> smoking in the Boys' Room? You never heard of Smoking in the Boys' Room? Is that a song? Yeah, it's an older song about smoking in the Boys' Room, and it's just like a classic 50s hit. I'm not going to sing it for you, but... Uh, 
Uh, Would you please? No, I know about a uh, I know about a band called the Chain Smoking Altar Boys. Well, well, that that's fun too. Yeah, that is fun. So this is also a very interesting thing he says here is that he also mentions that he has grown six inches in the past year. And this book is all about youth, and I'll I'll explain it here in a little bit. There's going to be more details about his appearance. He, and that's another thing, like, he just goes on these tangents, like, he's like, oh, yeah, did I mention i grow grown six inches in the past year? Because I got these long legs yep. that can carry me down the hill now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Here's a three-page digression that's completely unrelated to the story. Yeah, yep. Um, Let me tell you about my hat. Yeah, yep, it's red. <laughs> yep, it sure is. But, and I wear it just the way I like it. Yeah. <laughs> So I did my best to cut, like compile this. Uh, thankfully, there are lots of summaries I can base it off of, but there are a lot of tangents he goes on. Um, <laughs> but so yeah, he he rings the doorbell, and by the look of their house, he knows they don't have much dough, implying that well, Holden he comes from a well-off family. He knows what's a what is a rich family, a poor family, all that. Who's got it and who doesn't? Yep, and he always refers to it as dough. Um, yes, he does. Yep. And he is let in by the sweet old Mrs. Spencer. Perhaps um, perhaps he only uses the word dough, and that's a carryover from J.D. Salinger life as a lifelong bread lover. Perhaps. You that know, just kosher bread. Those, just, yeah, just a little more of that real life bleeding into the story. <laughs> yeah. Now that's something you won't hear <laughs> or, anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, or maybe he just likes to use the word dough when he's talking about money. I don't know. Also. Yeah. Uh, well, that actually brings <laughs> up another good, th- cool thing. Um, this is written in like '50s slang, so this is how a lot of kids were talking, and you can kind of see that with um, awesome. Th- some of the, his quotes here just remind me a lot of Donald Trump uh, and the way he talks. Uh, but maybe some quotes will come to me that like come to mind when I say that. Well, we aren't saying anything specifically with the slang here because the book is written very legibly. It's just you you still hear people tossing this kind of stuff around, you know. I'm always referring to crap as the old whatever and, you know, I mean, I guess I don't call it dough much, but it's not completely out of the public lexicon these days, but we are, of course, seeing a crossover with the catcher, or not the catcher in the rye. We may be seeing a little bit of a crossover with the catcher in the rye here, but we're also seeing a bit of a crossover with A Clockwork Orange, written in a completely different language. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, this one's actually written in English. Yep, yep, and it's it's not like a new language or anything, it's just like, it's nope. just how the youth talk during this time. Uh, Had to do it too. Well. Yep, exactly. Um, Mr. Spencer, he's old and frail, he has the flu, and Holden, he explained in, like, one class, like, if he would ever have to drop, or if he ever dropped, like, the chalk on the floor, he couldn't bend down and get it himself because he was, like, so just, like, you know, old, old uh, <laughs> that the students would have to do it for him. <laughs> he also, like, goes on to, like, explain how he bought a blanket from an Indian one time in Yellowstone and uh, 
it, he said that quote you take someone old as hell like spencer and they get a big bang out of buying a blanket <laughs> end quote <laughs> <laughs> um i don't mean to well i don't mean to like um malign anyone here but i will just say i myself as a 23 year old i love me a good blanket too you know what i mean yeah do old people are they the only ones getting a big bang out of a blanket really yeah come on it's getting cold out um but this is it is getting this cold is out. how holden is he is very judgmental <laughs> yeah seriously even if it isn't something that you can necessarily judge someone on Oh yeah, this guy sure does love his blankets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like he, he I guess he does talk about it to like where this was his number one experience where he went to Yellowstone one time, bought this like uh aftermarket uh blanket and that was it. But you know, to go to Yellowstone oh, baby. that's still pretty cool. Uh <laughs> oh yeah. So he appro- uh, Holden, he approaches Mr. Spencer and notices, like, how depressing his robe is. And he's... Depressing. Yeah, he's, he's like, oh, sad. Um, as if he... Yep. And he says that, like, it, it was almost as if Mr. Spencer has had this thing since he was born because it he, it's so dirty. Yeah, that was actually probably the first part that really stood out to me in this book that I probably had a little chuckle at is he pretty much says, uh, I think the quote is like, he was wearing this old robe looking like he was born in it or something. (laughs) No, it's very funny. Like this book does have a lot of funny moments. Uh, And it's just because of his narration. Yeah, just because this narrator, I don't have a problem with Holden, but he does. uh, He may just be a little socially... Yeah, almost definitely. Doesn't? Yeah, right. Like you can have a conversation with him, but you're still like, I don't know if we're exactly seeing eye to eye here, buddy. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he he is also like not a fan of this robe because it exposes his quote bumpy chest. Yep. So he's just kind of disgusted by Mister Spencer, even though he he does respect him. Right. Uh, and uh, so the conversation starts out friendly, and they start to talk about how the headmaster of Pensy, this headmaster, he called the, or he called life like this game, and you must follow the rules. And to Holden, he hates that concept. That's fair. Yeah, like Holden's just like, you can't put me in your box. You know, he's very kind of like anti-authority. Right. But here's like this adult trying to tell him what to do. And he's not, he's not too happy about it. He can tell that like a lecture is coming. Yeah, he can tell a lecture is coming and he's just, um, on top of just being strange in general, he's naturally very irritable. Yes. I mean, like we said. If you go over to a friend's house and they're wearing an ugly shirt, you might just think, "Oh, that's one ugly shirt. But if you're holding in that situation, he's just sitting there, eyes trained on that ugly shirt of yours, and it's probably all he's thinking about. Yep, yep. Look at this person with their, look at this person with their big, ugly crew neck sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> As I'm wearing one right now. <laughs> Perfect. They're comfortable well, hey, holding. Don't think I don't know, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is where Holden kind of drifts off and he describes his own appearance. And he says he is six foot two and has gray hairs on the right side of his head and acts very immature for his age. Check out my gray hairs. Yeah. They're gray and they're hairs. <laughs> 
but this is like some really cool symbolism because him growing six inches is like a sign of maturity. Him having gray hairs on the right side of his head is a sign of maturity, but he still wants to be immature. And he's, um, I'm not sure if we've mentioned it up to this point. I think you have, but going back to it, if we did, um, only 16 years old. Yep. Only 16. So just, we see, I mean, something that I think is actually kind of interesting is on top of just how it's written in general by, uh, Salinger himself, incorporating that slang makes me picture a mid twenties character narrating this book but you got to keep in mind the whole time that we're following a kid yep just just a year older than alex in a clockwork orange at the beginning of that book too um second youngest narrator or protagonist i guess we could say for our um series so far which is kind of interesting. well second youngest so far right (laughs) yep um holden's just chilling there and old Spencer, he starts to pick his nose, <laughs> which is a very disgusting act, but it's Holden, and he's super yeah, judgmental. Come on, <laughs> come on old Spencer. Uh, yep. And then uh, old Spencer, he says how grand it was to meet his parents. And Holden, he hates the word grand, and he thinks it's phony. Um, and (laughs) he's like, oh, I hate it when people say grand old time. Like he hates anything that's like superficial. Uh, people that always say grand old time, they're always saying grand old time too. Yep. And I, I, I know we've mentioned the word phony before, but I, I, I'm very positive. This is the first time that he brings it up. Very nice. And Spencer, he looks like he's about to say something stoic. <laughs> like he gets up and he's like, now boy, listen to this story I've had. But instead he attempts to throw a magazine on a table and he misses. <laughs> so, he tried. Yeah, he's like. And now, now Holden, Holden's got to pick it up off the ground for him because he's too goddamn old to pick it up himself. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Old guys can never pick stuff up when they got to pick it up. They got to have the young guys do it for him every time. That's what old guys are doing. Yeah. <laughs> But I laughed. Uh, I laughed at this part where he's like, Holden's just describing him like he's like uh, trying to be like FDR, <laughs> delivering a grand old and speech, she, and then he just biffs it. Yep. And I just got to say, too, I, I at least respect old Spencer still trying to do all that stuff, throwing the throwing the magazine and setting the chalk down, you know. He's still giving it a crack. He knows he's got Holden there to pick it up, so why not take advantage of the situation? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, at this moment, Holden, he can feel a lecture is coming. It's in the air. And yep. as with most conversations in this book, it's a one-way conversation. A person speaking to wow. Holden at Holden. Did not notice that yes yep uh like i said we're gonna we're gonna dive deep in this and yes we are holden tries to make some remarks but he is constantly ignored by spencer and spencer he just keeps referring to him as boy and reads off holden's essay on egypt which is only two paragraphs and is supposed to be like his final essay of the year (laughs) well you could i mean 
If it was good, if it was good enough two paragraphs, I think that would be fine. <laughs> yeah. Very poignant, well, perhaps. Here's the thing that throws me off: is like it seemed to be a good paper. I don't know if you remember much, but it starts off and it was like, now the mystery of the ancient Egyptians is very. Uh, great and like the reason being is that they used a special chemical to preserve the mummy's bodies and we still don't know what chemical that is to this day and that's the end of the essay (laughs) incredible see like i said poignant it really compresses uh years and years and years of history into what I would personally refer to as a perfect two paragraphs. That's all you need to know about Egypt. You don't know. You don't need to know about the old kingdom, the middle kingdom, the new kingdom. None of that. Everyone knows about the mummies, and the mummies were there since day one, man. It really, like I said, it just compresses everything <laughs> down, saves you a lot of time too. I mean, who has time to read uh, books on Egyptian history these days? Honestly. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, Holden. Uh, just naturally doesn't pay much attention and because he's very mad that uh, someone's reading out his essay out loud and, uh, <laughs> and like giving him a lecture at the same time. And um, Yeah, kind of embarrassing him to his face. Yep, exactly. Because I remember, I remember in this part of the book, he's, uh, well, on top of the lecture you're talking about, he's like, I know that he's going to read my paper off to me, even though I hate when people do that, and I don't want him doing it in the first place, and I know he doesn't want me doing it, and he kind of tries to put it off. But old Spencer, he's, uh, like you said, there's a storm coming, and, uh, you know, it's knocking at the door. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, the whole time, he doesn't really care about this lecture, and he starts to drift off, and he thinks about, well, where do the ducks go? Uh, when the lagoon in Central Park freezes over, which will be brought up multiple times in this book. And it's just kind of like, well, where's Holden going to go? He's coming up He's on maturity. Yep. And yep. it's just a constant uh, theme that we'll see is like Holden doesn't have any direction. <laughs> doesn't have any direction and does not have a place where he feels he belongs. Nope. No. And that's what makes me so mad about the people that are like, oh, he's just like a snob. It's just like, no, he's just a kid who doesn't have much of a direction. Uh, how many of us probably have felt at some point in, my, in, in their lives, you know? Like, right. each time I'm about to get out of the Air Force, I'm like, Oh God, I feel like I just graduated high school and I need to find a job or go to college. I have no idea what I'm right. Doing. Yeah, I hear that. Um, and another interesting thing I think actually is just like with any other character, literally ever or any person in real life, everyone's got specific things going on that they don't tell you about. So you have no idea it's going on. So from the outside, you're just talking to this you know, annoying brat who just keeps pissing and moaning about the old robes and how everyone's always saying the word grand. And you realize that on the surface that can be frustrating, but everyone has separate things going on. Yeah. You know, just something to think about. Yeah, and we'll see what um, Holden's struggling with here soon. Yes, we will. And so Spencer, he tries to talk to him about his future. Holden, he's had enough. He doesn't want to be lectured anymore. And he ends the conversation and he thinks like 
saying he says this in the book not to him but he says he feels sorry as hell for him and we'll see that again sorry again sorry as hell yep just that over exaggerated like uh you know it's not just feel sorry i feel sorry as hell yeah and uh i feel the maximum amount of sorry yeah sorry <laughs> <laughs> yep. my bad <laughs> but he promises to keep in touch and he even turns down Mrs. Spencer's famous hot chocolate before he heads back to his dorm. So it, it even though he wanted to get out there, he out of there, he does feel bad for leaving. Or his dorm is named after Ossenberger, a former student that became an undertaker and buries the dead for about five bucks and it's about 70 bucks in today's dollars so it's just like this still a steal yeah. it's just this uh well, uh you know <laughs> that's pretty good you know if i may say though if i may say um it doesn't specifically say that he's like a licensed undertaker and buries the dead so he could just be a, a contract killer perhaps i mean who to really say <laughs> hey i'll uh I'll, I'll bring you underground for 70 bucks what do you say yep 70 bucks that's it yep he was just a businessman doing business yep. <laughs> but so this is a man he would refer to as like you know a hack or a phony and the man came to to their school and made a speech uh, one time, and he started going on this tangent about Jesus and like how his whole business has been possible through Jesus, even though he's like scamming these people. And uh, <laughs> so, like Holden will see somebody he knows there's that they're a phony, and it's just like, okay, yeah, you're right, uh, but. Uh, a student next to Holden farts, and it, it was described as, quote, blowing the roof off, end quote, in the middle of the speech. And Hol That'll happen. Yep, and Holden just loved this. Um, <laughs> I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, we had to record this video for something in the class, and the battery was, like, at 5%, and in the last take... I ax well, I farted on purpose and it ax and it wow. and it killed the battery on the camera. Uh so we never every, got to do that. Every fart that's reminisced on is done on purpose though, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course I did that on purpose in that room full of people. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> is there something you is there something you aren't telling us, Cole? <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> uh, yep. I did it for the laughs. Uh I bet it was funny. Not for the gas. <laughs> Ooh, jeez. <laughs> All right. We'll have to edit that wow. out. Uh, hey, man. You just got to do what you got to do, right? Yeah. But, yeah, so he gets to his room, and he puts on a red hunting cap that he bought for a dollar in New York this morning. Or that morning. One dollar. Yep, a whole dollar. And he wears it backwards, and he knows it's ugly, but he loves it. And this will come up constantly whenever he wears it backwards just like he likes yep and it would actually become a style that'd be quite popular wearing hats backwards um and the i actually looked up a picture of this kind of hat too after reading about it so much in the book and it is certainly a hat yeah it's you know you, you watch um 
what a Christmas story and it, all those oh, meme kids yes, that have the hunting hats, it's the same hat. Uh, right, the big dog ears on it. Yep, exactly, and the big flap on the front. Um, but yep. this wasn't a popular uh, cap at the time. However, Holden wears it because, well, it just goes with his personality. And that's the whole thing about the that's... hat. It's about individuality, and we'll see it come up a lot more. <laughs> And on top of that, that's just fashion for you, baby. You gotta wear what you want, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's a fun hat. Don't dress for anyone else. It's not good for you. No, dress for yourself. Yep. While he's wearing this hat, he tries to read a book, but he hears someone enter the room. And it's Robert Ackley. <laughs> now this guy, he, he's a large boy who has poor hygiene uh, he never brushes his teeth and has lots of pimples and he lives next door to Holden. It's like the same, it, it's not, it's not the same room, but they're connected. <laughs> and so like, he acts like he mistakenly like stumbles upon Holden, uh, which is the never <laughs> the case. He, he's always like walking, Funny seeing you here. Yeah, he's always walking into the room. He's like, Oh, Holden, huh? That's weird. Huh? <laughs> weird. The room that you sleep in, you're in here. Weird. Yeah. Weird. But no, the next few parts with this guy is just, uh, it, it's re- so relatable. It's like a little brother that's just trying to annoy you. Uh, exactly. And what would you know about brothers trying to annoy you, though? Oh, really? this is very reminiscent <laughs> of my brother <laughs> disturbing my peace time. <laughs> He would always like I'd be like reading a book or something in my room. He would just like open the door and like stare at me for like, and he was good at it. He'd do it for like thirty minutes. Uh, But yeah, well, that's just gaslighting. Oh yeah, I'm not gonna say if or if not. I punched him after he'd do these things, but you know. Whoa. I hope that accusation doesn't come up <laughs> later on down the line with the podcast. I can jeopardize both of us, buddy. It's just like Twitter. Uh, yeah. Um, but, so yeah, like he, start, he walks into the room and Holden is not happy to see this dude. And Ackley, he starts to like just wander the room and he picks up all of Holden's belongings and he's just like looks at him and like one of them is like a picture and he puts it in the wrong spot. He'll put it like on your dining room table. He'll pick up like the candle you have next to your bed and he'll put it like, I don't know, just somewhere else. Uh, put it on the desk. Yeah. Like just the complete opposite side of the room. But like, why? Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's trying to irk Holden like each time. Uh Right. And so Ackley, he comes in, he asks about the game, and, like, of course, Holden doesn't care. It's the same game he was, like, watching from the hill. And then he just, like, goes up to Holden, and he stands right in between the reading light or the reading lamp and Holden. So he's blocking the any light that Holden's (laughs) using to read. (laughs) Do you mind? (laughs) (laughs) And then... No, I don't mind. <laughs> and then as if that's not enough, like, Holden's just, like, ignoring him the whole time. And then he goes up to in front of him, 
And then, like, Holden has the book down on his lap and, like, Ackley, like, picks it up so he can see what it, he's reading. Uh, uh, yeah, Ackley's annoying. Oh, Ackley. <laughs> and this just, this is where it gets even worse. Ackley, he asks for scissors to cut his toenails. And <laughs> Holden, he gets some for him. And uh, a tennis racket falls on his head as, as he's grabbing this, these scissors and Ackley just like bursts out laughing. And this makes Holden even more angry. <laughs> um, and he gives him the scissors and he cuts his nails on the floor despite Holden telling him to do it elsewhere. Okay, now, are we not completely sure that Holden isn't the... Um like disturbed one or whatever because (laughs) (laughs) we do see that maybe not everyone well i mean with the one-sided conversations and stuff and this guy coming in clipping his nails and literally pretty much every other reaction uh maybe maybe your vibe attracts your tribe or something (laughs) like that it's holding asking for it naturally who's really to say well well we'll see like ackley is obviously a lonely person but holden is as well right and yeah, so Holden, he keeps trying to hint at him to leave until Holden's roommate, Stradlater, shows up and Ackley hates this guy. Stradlater really yep. isn't a fan of Ackley. <laughs> but yeah, Stradlater, he instantly asks to use Holden's jacket. jacket. Like, he's just like, you know, the, the dude that will come in and just just expects something out of you to give them because they're popular. Uh, that's one thing that Holden says is like, he just expects that you'll give him anything because he's a hunk. <laughs> um, yeah. Stradlator is just something else. Yeah. Yep. Well, a hunk, uh, above all. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. And so, yeah, he asks him cause he's like, Oh, I got a stain on my own. And then Stradlator says, how's your boy to Ackley? Uh, and then he just grunts and sees himself out. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, Holden, he says, quote, I didn't have anything special to do, so I went and chewed the rag with old Stradlater, end quote. (laughs) I definitely never heard the phrase chew the rag before reading this I'm definitely going to use it. (laughs) Yeah, me and the boys. Just chewing the rag. Me and the boys. When do you think about it? Chewing the rag. When you when you think about it, me and you are kind of chewing the rag right now. Yeah, just me and Lucas here, uh, chewing the rag, recording our podcast chewing in the fifties. It is live. We are on air. <laughs> yep, chewing the rag live over the sound waves. <laughs> yep. <laughs> now I'll say, uh, get my Jimmy Stewart impression <laughs> here. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I had to watch like fucking four. J- <laughs> I I got some I got some griefs here. Okay, I, I, for my film class, I've watched like three Jimmy Stewart movies. Uh, and what do you think of those? You know they're okay, but oh my gosh, it's the same stuff for the most part. Like <laughs> it's a Wonderful Life, where it's just like the 1950s version of like oh just. We're in the white picket fence, and, like, life is just grand, you know? Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Grand. Grand. Ah, oh, phony. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so phony. Yeah. But, yeah, like we are saying, Stradlater, he's a hunk. He's handsome. He's tall. Oh, and yeah. he's built well. But 
Holden, he describes him as a slob who, or like a secret slob. I just, I mean, I, I like this Stradlator guy. He is tall, he is handsome, but I just wish he would switch to a new razor, you know? They're disposable for a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, uh, his razor is, like, full of hair. All of his toiletries are just dirty, but he cares about his appearance so much. He doesn't really keep everything at home organized. Uh, wow. Yep, but that's just Holden making a, you know, his very judgmental observation. <laughs> Uh, but it also sounds like this may be kind of accurate, even though he obviously has a judgmental opinion on it, like every single person. Yeah. This guy does kind of, the way he's talking, once again, maybe it's just Holden that's bringing the personality out of stride later here. Of course, it takes two to tango, but um, that's just kind of something that I had a thought about. No, he, yeah, he, he is exaggerated in the way he judges people, but there, for the most part, there is truths to it. Um, right. And yeah, so Stradlater, he asks him to do a favor because according to Holden, like I was saying, beautiful people think everyone else is just lining up to the door to do them favors. And of course, he asks Holden if he can write an English paper for him because he'll be gone for the weekend. Holden is surprised because he is like, wait a minute, wait a second, Stradlater. I'm the one that's flunking out here. <laughs> like, why do you want me to write and, this? And one of the parts, or this specific part in the book is so funny, too, because Stradlater is just, Holden is just talking about, you know, nope, don't want to do the paper, and Stradlater's like, yeah, but you'll do the paper, right? He's like, don't want to write the paper, <laughs> don't feel like writing the paper, and Stradlater's like, but you'll write the paper, right? Yeah. And then eventually Holden does give in and writes the paper for old Stradlater describing a notebook or something like that. I forget. No, 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 no. Well, we'll, we'll talk about it. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Holden asks about his date and her name, uh, and he says it's Jean Gallagher. And Hol- old Jean. Yep. yep. Which it isn't, and Holden, he's quick to correct him, and he says it's Jane Gallagher, Uh, and he actually knew her from last summer. Holden, he's very excited about her, like, they had a good time last summer, and he says during checkers, she would always keep her kings in the back row because she liked the way it looked, and yeah, we'll, we'll see this multiple times. Uh, he'll mention this a lot, that she keeps her kings in the back, but this is the way Holden perceives people, mostly in, like, a past tense, like, freeze frame in time, where... Right, the one time, the one time they played that, or the one time they went to see this show. Yep, exactly, and, like, it's interesting, too, because, like, keeping your kings in back in... In, in the back in checkers is a very reserved thing to do. Um, right. And, like, it, it can be seen as, like, a sign of, like, someone not blossoming into, you know, adulthood or be, growing not up. Not letting someone in. Yeah. Yep. Anyone, maybe, should I say. Yep. Um, and this will come up again and again, and this is how I views multiple people. He goes on to describe her in great detail, and Stradlater this whole time just doesn't really care. He is 
sexually active and Holden knows that he only cares about that. He's he's been with Holden's friends multiple times, his lady friends. Uh, what are they what's the specific term they use for when someone um scratches a notch onto the scoreboard? What do they say like took her for a ride or something like that? Uh some I, very old term that's used quite often when straddlators around. All he cares about is Getting the go or whatever. Giving, giving someone the good or... Giving someone the time. Yes. Yep. And I actually have it Did you quoted give her the time? here later, but yeah, I can't think of it. <laughs> right. Yep. Or as we'll see later, uh, you know, five bucks for a throw. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was actually 10. Oops. Um, 10 bucks for a throw. Yep. So. Oh, yes, right, of course it was 10. It was explicitly stated that it was 10 right in the beginning. We'll get <laughs> yeah, to it. Yeah. Uh, but, so that's the thing. Holden, he's still a virgin. Uh, Stradlater is one of the only sexually active guys. Uh, and he just, you know, women are just a number on his, you know, his count, you know? Stradlater, he's like, if you're so obsessed with her, just like go downstairs and say hi to her. But Holden isn't in the mood because he knows that this is going to be a different girl that than what he saw last summer because it's most likely the, this date that Stradlater is going to go on, they're going to make out and probably have sex. He'll give her the time. Give her the time. Yep. And... So Stradlater puts on his jacket, uh, which is he describes it as like way too tight, and he's like, ah, "I hope it doesn't burst." <laughs> uh, and but Holden's jacket is very nice. Oh yeah, yep. Same with his hat. Uh, yep. And Holden, he tells him to ask her if she still keeps her kings in the back, and he says he will and leaves, but. Holden's like, yeah, he's not going to ask her that. Yep. Um, Ackley. Why does Holden still ask if he knows? Uh, well, that's what I, that's what I wonder. Well, like I was saying, like he'll, he's still like wanting to hang on to youth and everyone else around him. Like he, he doesn't want anyone to grow up and that's kind of like his thing. Hmm. So Ackley, he enters the room after Strad later leaves, of course, and Holden doesn't mind, even though he starts to pop his pimples <laughs> as soon as he oh. uh, walks into the room. Gross. Yep. Classic Ackley, though. Yep. Uh, Holden, he has an unimpressive steak dinner at the school's lunch hall, and he says that the school only does it on Sundays because that's when the uh, parents come up so the school can impre- impress the parents. And just going along with that whole phony thing, like, this is... Yep. You know, him saying that... Gotta keep up appearances. Yep, the most important thing to these phonies. Yep. And then... A very unimpressive steak dinner, too. Yeah. Can't remember what was unimpressive about it, but it it didn't sound... It didn't sound like anything to write home about. He he said it was dry and, like, tough as rubber Mm -hmm. or something. That is... You know, the biggest sins of making a steak. Yeah, get get some bread in there, come on. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'll take it. Live a little. Well, rare. That's why I say. Sure. Yep. So he then asks his friend Mal 
if he wants to go get a burger and go to the movies. And he asks if he can bring Ackley, and Mal is okay with this, but, you know, he's not too excited. Um, <laughs> but when Ackley is asked if he wants to go, he asks who's going with and states that, uh, well, Mal is going, and Ackley's like, well, I hate Mal. And then... <laughs> uh we call that a hate triangle. <laughs> <laughs> a little different from our previous series. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, but so Holden says this about Ackley and he says, quote, I swear if that guy was shipwrecked somewhere, he'd want to know the guy that's rowing it before he'd even get in. End quote. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's pretty funny. That's that one's perfectly exaggerated. Too. Yeah. I love but that. it's it's exaggerated, but it is so funny. Like, right? <laughs> it's like if Titanic was going down and he saw that uh, Kate was on that board, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm good, actually. I'll just float down here with yep. Leo. <laughs> I'll wait for the next one." Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, so this is like one thing that is cool about Holden is that even though. He is very against the movies. He hates anything about it. He says it about his brother, and he was a writer. And he claims that his brother is like a prostitute now because he went to Hollywood. And, and so this shows that he can, you know, adjust a bit. The fact that he's bringing Ackley with is like a pretty nice gesture, even though he's like not a, really a fan of his hygiene. So, yeah, old Ackley always clipping his toenails and popping his pimples. Why has he got to do it when you're around, you know? Yeah, well, he saves the big ones for the crowd. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. Yep. Um, but the other boys, they, they've already seen this film already that they were going to go to. So they just go out, they get a bite to eat, they play, they play pinball, and they just go back to the dorms. Pretty fun night. Cool. Yeah. Yep. And in Holden's dorm room, Ackley, he starts to tell these stories about a girl about a girl that he had sex with the previous summer. And it's just so obvious that it's not real and it's just like manufactured. <laughs> yep. Uh she was a she was an exchange student from Perry. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um and he says, quote, I dropped a thousand hints at, like, you know, to tell him to get out and, like, just, like, I don't care. But he told the story about a hundred times and each time is different, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's what this girl wants. And she had blonde hair and then it was blue and then it was brown. And then, yeah. yeah. So Holden, he starts to write the English paper for Stradlater to just, like, show Ackley that he's busy and Ackley leaves. He starts to write about his little brother Allie and his uh, and his brother's baseball glove, and he would write poems on. Like he would take the not quite a notebook. Nope, uh, close though. Um, yeah, but yeah. So Allie, he had this like uh, baseball mitt, and when he was in the field, he would write poems on it. Whenever someone wasn't up to bat, of course. Pass the time and read something when he's not doing anything. Yep, yep. 
with Green Pen. Which, yeah, Green Pen, and, you know, I was there when I was in T-ball. I picked Dandelions sometimes when I was out in the outfield. Uh, sure. Not going to lie. Why not? <laughs> but... Yeah, so he he just he starts to describe his brother, but just like three sentences later, he says, "quote He's dead now." Um, Very abrupt. Yep, and you can kind of tell he just like transitions into this abruptly, and we'll see how it has affected his life. And so he was two younger, two years younger than Holden, and he died of leukemia when the family was on vacation in Maine. And he was very intelligent, had bright red hair, and he was loved by everybody, including his brother, Holden. Like, he loved this kid. Right. And the day that he died, Holden slept in the garage and punched out all of the windows. Ouch. Yep, like, he was... A callback to R.P. McMurphy. Yep, yep. I, Am I wrong? I remember you specifically saying I this next character we're covering likes to punch out windows. And people think that none of this is planned out. <laughs> I don't actually know if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, but, like, he damages his hand, like, really badly, and he tries to punch out the car's windows as well. You know, he, he, he mentions it a lot, but he can't make a full fist anymore. And hurts sometimes. Right. And after... Scarred up. Yeah, yeah, very scarred. Heavily scarred. So yeah, he spent the night in the garage that night, and his parents almost sent him to a therapist. Which, gonna be honest, they should have done. Yeah, probably. Yeah. A little more than just acting out. Yep, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see that. Um, This definitely had an impact on him. And, yeah, I think it's, you know, the beginning of the book, it says that, you know, he's in this mental hospital, and this is the story that he's about to tell, and there was multiple events that led up to it, but I I think his brother dying definitely started it off. The domino effect. Yes, yep. But later on in the evening, Stradlater comes back to the dorm from his date. You know, he doesn't really make conversation with Holden except for, like, asking if his English paper is done. And Holden, Mm. you know, just kind of points it out to him. Like, yeah, it's on the bed. Stradlater, he starts to read it. And it's it's the same poem that he wrote about Allie and his uh, baseball mitt. And he gets furious because it was supposed to be, like, about a room or a house, uh, not a glove. He starts saying, quote, you always do everything back ass words, which I've never heard. That's not how you say <laughs> yeah, that. Which I, I don't know if that was on purpose, but because <laughs> that itself yeah, is. I think it's probably safe to assume. Because yeah. <laughs> that itself is ass backwards. <laughs> but. Oh, my goodness. Now that is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, One of them palindromes I've been hearing yeah. about. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he continues to say, you don't do one damn thing you're supposed to, end quote. And Is he right? I mean, but this is just, you know, so terrible because this is obviously, it's his brother and it's something he's very attached to. And here comes Strad later 
just like tearing them apart about this poem that Holden actually put effort into. And that's not often. And for whatever reason in the first place, too, I still can't really wrap my brain around why he would spend his free time doing some Bozo's homework. Yeah, I I don't know, but... Maybe he does want to be liked? Uh... I think it, it also has something to do with, like, there's literally nothing else he was going to do that night, you know? Sure. Everyone else is out partying. Not my first choice on a, not my first night, or not my first choice with a free <laughs> night, but, you know, whatever, I to guess. their own. Yep. Yep. Um, and, and in response to Stradlater, like, just critiquing this paper, Holden grabs the paper and tears it up. Awesome. Yep. I mean, not awesome, but... I mean... Up yours. <laughs> I'm, I'm cheering for him at this point. I'm like, yeah, dude, that, that was messed up. And Though it could have been a nice piece of uh, memorabilia for him down the road. True, true. So Stradlater says, like, what the hell was that for? And they just both sit in silence. And... Holden, he starts to smoke, which annoys Stradlater. Says that he will. He's like, I noticed you're back pretty late. You know, he's. It's pretty obvious that something went down, and. No. Oh. Yep, it's gonna get a bit PG thirteen here. Uh <laughs> But yeah, so Stradlater, he's like, he he gets very frustrated. He doesn't even you know, give him any response about Jane and tells him to go smoke in the bathroom. Smoking in the boys' room. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Holden, he starts to ask about Jane, her checkers, and, like, what they ended up doing that night. And if, you know, he did ask her that question about keeping the kings in the back. And Stradlater says that they just sat in a car that was borrowed from the basketball coach. Kind of weird, <laughs> but... Borrowing the coach's car, but hey, man, he's got it, uh, Stradlater's got it in tight with the coach, you know? Yeah. They're boys. Yeah, he does. Like, all all the hunks get to borrow his car so they can go out on dates. Holden, Holden may not be alone in finding this a little strange. Nah, very weird. But that's yep. the thing, is like, if you're popular, you get to have the... the Whatever car he's got. <laughs> Comes with the turf. Yeah. But this is also the same scar- or the same car that uh, Holden and Stradlater would go on double dates, but it just so happened that Stradlater would not- always end up with Holden's girlfriend at some point. Uh, oh, so, <laughs> so that kind of sucks. <laughs> that does kind of suck. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so in response to hearing that they just spent this date in the car... Holden screams, quote, Did you give her the time in Ed Banksy's goddamn car? And then... Banksy? Yeah, like the artist. (laughs) Yeah! Yeah. Through the gift shop. When you think about it. (laughs) Yep, exit through the gift shop. Yeah, that is fun. Yep, love Banksy's work. Yep, just not his car. Yep, but uh, like we're saying, Holden always says giving her the time is just saying sex. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Stradlater just avoids further questions and 
you know, he starts mocking him and tells him if he needed his mouth washed with soap, he'll do it. Because uh, he said, God damn. And to this, Holden gets furious. And, you know, he doesn't really remember this, but he says, quote, I tried to sock him with all my might right smack in the toothbrush because he's brushing his teeth. So it would split his goddamn throat open so he'd just, like, jam it down. Probably a dirty toothbrush, too. That's the scariest part. Ugh. No one's straddlator. Yep. <laughs> Who knows what's in that thing? Ugh. Right? This is the first time that, like, Holden, like, really describes, like, being violent with somebody. Besides, like, punching out the windows, he did say that. Um, right. He, he did kind of like the blood. Ugh. And he misses his punch uh and it it just ends up hitting Stradlater on the side of the head and holden just ends up being pinned to the floor and holden starts to mock him and he calls him a moron and he says there's nothing more worse that uh or there's nothing that Stradlater hates more than being called a moron so he just keeps on calling him a moron <laughs> and uh we can all relate. Yeah, it's just like, what are you doing? Like, you're pinned down. He could just, like, smack you. Uh, and then he starts to say, like, you don't care about Gene. And, told, and he tells him, quote, he thought he could give the time to anybody he felt like. Which isn't false. Mm. It's all Stride later cares about is the notch on the belt. Yep, exactly. Uh, and so Strad later, he's about to strike him, and asks if like holden if you shut up i'll get off like and then holden is like okay yeah that's fine but then immediately he starts calling him a moron (laughs) (laughs) he's like god damn it yikes (laughs) strad later you're such a moron 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 yep and then well strad later is obviously very mad at being called a moron a hundred (laughs) times and punches him yeah right and Holden ends up on the floor with his nose bleeding. And to this, Stradlater, like, actually looks pretty, like, worried. And, like, he kind of shows that Stradlater and Holden do kind of get along. And it's almost like a brother thing. Uh, maybe, but... Took it over the line there, Yeah, though. definitely. Both of But them. it's just, like, when you're... Uh, in a fight with a sibling and like you knock over a table and your mom is like what what's going on down there and it's like nothing <laughs> uh, that happened right. all the time but like Stradlater's kind of having the same reaction where he's like oh god like are you okay oh no yep <laughs> so Stradlater's like you gotta wash your face and then Holden responds saying uh, you should wash your own moron face <laughs> as like he's like on Whoa. the floor bleeding out. Got him. Yeah. And Holden, he gets up and puts on his hunting cap backwards and looks in the mirror. Like he likes. Yep, just like he, it's his signature. And yep. he says, quote, you never saw so much gore in your life. It partly scared me and fascinated me, end quote. Hmm. And then after this, he heads over to Ackley's room. Yeah, he walks into the mess that is Ackley's room, and he asks if he wants to play a board game. And this is like three in the morning, so rightfully Ackley is pretty annoyed. <laughs> and Holden's just like, "Ah, oh, it's all right, Ackley. I just 
you goddamn prince. He always says that, like, you sweet prince. Prince. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> I just want to sleep in your room for the night. And, and at this point, Holden, he's feeling very lonely. Like, this is the first time that he says that he's very lonely. And, uh, right. you know, Ackley, he just wants to talk about the fight. And Holden doesn't really want to talk about it. Um, just going back to an earlier part in the book, too, when Holden's describing old Spencer's robe, he calls it depressing. And up to this point in the book, he's probably referred to very many things as depressing, you know. Uh, the hall being empty was depressing. This guy's hat was depressing. You know, this, that, and the other thing. It was very depressing. Yep. That's what he refers to a lot of things as. Sorry as hell, depressing. But now he, now yep. he's kind of using that vocabulary on himself. Um, right. Yeah, he's feeling very depressed. And um, after Ackley, like, is asking about all this... Holden, he just kind of goes up to the window and thinks to himself, quote, I almost wished I was dead, end quote. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, a huge transition. And Holden asks about Ackley's life. And he's like, tell me about your life, old prince, or whatever he says. I can't remember the exact thing. <laughs> sweet prince. <laughs> you sweet, dear goddamn yeah. prince. <laughs> <laughs> Which keeps on making Ackley very angry. <laughs> Uh, right. <laughs> but uh, Ackley's like, I got mass in the morning, and he starts to snore. Holden, he just starts thinking about Jane. He tries to go to sleep, but he can't because he's like, well, Stradlayer just had sex with her. Like, this is messing me up. And mm -hmm. he asks Ackley about joining a monastery while he's sleeping. <laughs> he's like, Ackley, Ackley, how do I join a monastery? Do I have to be Catholic? And Ackley's just kind of like, what? Why did you wake me up to ask this? And, <laughs> and then he says uh, he would join one if and only if the wrong monks, the wrong monks were in it. All stupid bastards. <laughs> so like my own club of monks, but we're all just a bunch of troublemakers. Very fun. Yep. And, and then Ackley is like, Hey, you can insult me, but you can't insult my religion <laughs> after this. That's fair, too. But I it guess. is fair. <laughs> it is fair. And so Holden, uh, he's just like, all right, nothing's left for me here. Uh, and he heads to the door. I've done all I can yeah, do. Yeah, he's like, all right, you don't want to play games <laughs> with me. <laughs> You've been coffee. <called> <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, so he heads to the door. Uh, on his way out, he's like, uh, thanks for being a prince, Ackley. And he closes the door, and then Ackley's like, shut up! And then, uh, yeah, he just slams the door behind him uh, as he goes out. And then uh, he decides he'll go to New York, and he packs his bags as everyone sleeps. He has more than enough dough from his grandma. Uh, but, like, she gave it to him as a gift. She's pretty well off, like his parents. Uh but he wants some extra dough. So <laughs> it's like three in the morning still. And he wakes up his neighbor and he's like, Hey, do you want this typewriter for 20 bucks? And this guy's like, what the hell? No, not really. And then he convinces him to buy it. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought it was funny. He sells this typewriter in the middle of the night. Um, buy my typewriter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm begging you. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, so, 
Holden, he puts on his red cap, and as he leaves the dorms, he yells at the top of his lungs, Sleep tight, you morons! And that's where we leave off. Goodbye, Yep, see ya. It was terrible. Wow. Um, what a wonderful first part. Yeah. Leaving us on a real high note, uh, a high note with Holden, too, you know? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Uh, Um, we've already learned so much about him in just this brief time, and something that I wanted to mention back when we spoke about it again, but I'm sure it'll come up again and again. Just interesting to point out that, um... His night really did take a turn after he heard about Stradlator taking out old Jane. You know what I mean? Uh, it's kind of all he's thinking about. I started thinking about Jane again, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Which is Yeah, fair. rightfully so. I mean, he obviously... Especially with a guy like Stradlator. Yeah, he's not the best. Um, no. Yeah, he is definitely troubled by it, you know? Like, one thing, he does care about Jane very much. Uh, but another yep. thing is he just does not like seeing people around him grow up and, you know, it's, it's weird. To, well, it's not really weird to say, but like, you know, having sex is part of a part of growing up. Um, something you do as an adult, not, uh, that'll happen. Yep. It'll happen one day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh <God>. but, <laughs> Um, yeah, this is the conclusion of, I believe, chapters one through seven. I'm going to try to do it. We're going to try to do it in four parts. But yeah, it's been fun. Well, wonderful job with this right up here. Like I said, I think this must have been before we started recording. But reading through this book, I could not picture how we were going to condense this down because it's almost like nothing is happening He's just having strange interactions with some weird people. And then, you know, this is phony, that's depressing, this, that, and the other thing. And I could not figure out, if I was the one writing this outline, how it was going to be done. And luckily, not only did I not have to write it, but you just, you killed her, bud, you know? Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you. That was like um, receiving the Medal of Honor, because this was kind of tough to... uh, you know, put into an outline. Holden, he's... Uh, I believe it. We've mentioned it. He exaggerates. Uh, he There's some symbols and signs that he isn't the most reliable narrator. He's pretty... Yeah, he's uh, he's pretty different. Yeah, but it, it is fun to read. Um, but... Absolutely. Yeah, and we'll, we'll uh, be in the, back next week with part two. Yeah, yeah. but until then... How about everyone out there? Literally everyone. You know, I guess we have some listeners nowadays. I want you, and you specifically, if you aren't already, to just go over to the Instagram. You know what I mean? The Bad Apple Book Club. Um, Nothing but pure gold coming off of that uh, Instagram page, if I do say so myself. I might be a little biased, (laughs) but that's just me. I I think it's pretty good, too. And um, before I sign off here, Lucas... This is hot off the press. I know we started off with the episode not knowing who my next boss was going to be. No way. But uh, this just did no while way. we were recording. No way. Uh, no. Lay it on me. Joe Biden. Uh, he, he won it. So there you go. Holy crap. Are you kidding me? I am not. Nope. Wow, folks. 
This is real time news. It is twelve oh eight p.m. in uh, in the Midwest, and wow, <laughs> I've actually I've been following the um, results very closely. Wow, if that is not uh, well, you know, part of the reason I don't like talking about politics is because it really ties the show down to a specific place. But you know, this is history being recorded here, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, wow. honestly. We know who the boss is now. Yep. Um, we've been waiting for Go like... Vote. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Go vote now. Uh, but yeah, we've been waiting five days. But if you don't know already, when this uh, episode comes out on Monday, oh. you'll know. <laughs> Nat, you know now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, baby. It's already been five days. Holy yeah. crap. Um, wow. Wow. Wonderful. Uh, a, a great way to start the show off and capping out at one minute or one hour and 45 minutes um, was the perfect amount of time we needed. If that isn't uh, if that isn't like um, serendipity or whatever the hell, then I don't know what is, baby. <laughs> For real. But well, <laughs> alrighty. Um, with that, I think everything that ha- uh, everything that needs to be said has been said. Huckle. Yes. And more. Absolutely. Once again, fantastic job on the outline. Cannot wait to listen to this episode and record the next. Of course. Me too. Very excited for next week's episode. And I just realized how uh, how much this is going to age once we announced Biden's presidency when we're doing this that's 20 what years I, down yeah, the road. That's what, I mean by, <laughs> that's what I mean by anchoring it down to a specific spot. But I think this one's actually kind of fun. Yeah, very. Um, uh, alrighty. Everyone out there, um, have a wonderful weekend. Goodbye. Trouble with that podcast, you call me. Of course. You know. Oh, yeah. I can always do nothing with it.